You're listening to Fundraising Radio, a podcast about fundraising for early stage startups. The major rule that we follow here is no bullshit on this podcast. No music to relax you, no advertisements of our sponsors. We only talk about fundraising here and nothing else. So let's jump into the episode. And today's guest speaker, we have Charmin Ali, founder and CEO of InStoried, who just closed their Series A of $10 million. And in this episode, we'll talk about that Series A and rounds prior to it. And more specifically, why did Charmin choose to raise in the United States while building out a company entirely out of India and focused on the Indian market? And of course, we're going to touch on to the hardships of such a fundraising when it makes sense to actually visit the US to close some deals when you can just outsource it and how to build a company remotely and how to expand to the United States, which is going to come at the end of this episode. So Sharman, let's kick it off by you giving us some background on yourself and, and on InStoried. Sure. First of all, thank you so much for having me on your show, Constantine. It's uh, it's, it's it's my delight to be here. Um, so I... Um, I am an engineer by profession, not too many people know that, but I did my electronics and communication engineering from one of the premier institutions in, in the southern part of India. And then I moved to the US to you know, pursue my first job, which was in the analytics space, which was based out of Chicago. Um, and I was overwhelmed by the weather because I'd never really seen such winter in you know, the part of <laughs> India that I come right. from. Uh, after working there for... Uh, you know, five years plus, I realized that, you know, I was just helping the rich get richer, wasn't adding too much value to my own life. So I decided to quit that company, um, came back to India to start my own, uh, you know, company. The, the, the first company was in the media space. The plan was to build India's very own Netflix because the whole Netflix revolution had already begun in the U.S., um, so, you know, the, the plan was to replicate the same thing, but, you know, more focused towards the Indian audiences because, uh, you know, the Indian vernacular languages are, are a little different. Um, so we ran that company uh, for almost three and a half years, but then we soon understood that we were a little ahead of our time because uh, Indian audiences were still very much prone to consuming content on their television sets as opposed to, you know, their mobile devices or on oh. their laptops. And what so year was that, by the way, the sir, for jumping in here? Um, so this was up to, uh, you know, until uh, 2018. I mean, from um, from 2015 to, you know, 2018, early 2018. Mm -hmm. um, so we understood that we were a little ahead of our time. And so we ended up selling the copyrights of all the scripts that we'd written to a Bombay-based production house, I took the money and then I exited. Um, post this, uh, you know, I ended up writing two books, one of which was announced a bestseller back in 2019. And, um, you know, it was my little shot to fame. Um, so then I, uh, you know, understood that uh, content is, is something which is here to stay. Good quality content is king, as we all know that. Um, and in order to connect with your customers, you have to always create amazing content. And that's where the idea of InStory actually came to me, that, you know, uh, most of the uh, content writers and content marketers out there, most of their content generation process is very intuition driven, you know, it's very mm -hmm. manual. Uh, there is technology that can actually assist them when it comes to their content generation. Uh, so that's where we thought, what if we, you know, we were able to build a smart tool using which 
a content marketer would be able to first of all gauge what is their emotional engagement quotient and also get smart recommendations on that and on top of it you know if you were to just feed in a few keywords and the tool were to automatically generate that content for you i mean wouldn't that be awesome so that is exactly what you know we have done at instoried uh, mm-hmm. in in the last 3 years now um and yeah we you know we have over half a million plus users um and i must say one thing that you know we although we initially started out from india but our main market is the us and you know so now um, the money that we raised we are looking at expanding in the us completely and um yeah we want to disrupt the american um, entrepreneurial ecosystem interesting interesting and yeah maybe at the end of the episode or closer to the end of the episode we're going to touch into a little bit more of the tech and uh specifically why the uh why the team decided to build everything in house rather than trying to you know uh take a few pieces here and there and just assemble them into the final product um but first question is actually going to be about how did you build the mvp how did you make sure that this is a real market that you are no longer you know ahead of your time as happened with your previous company um so it seems like in story in story sorry keep mispronouncing it uh it seems like in story is quite a tech heavy uh, product so how did you make sure that you know you're going to build it out test it out and if it doesn't work you don't incur massive losses right so yes absolutely you know we are a very tech heavy uh, you know company so uh, uh, we decided to build everything in house yes and you know the product also was was built from the scratch the reason being that you know my co-founder and i we were always very sure of the fact that you know uh, there is no point in just becoming a copycat product like everything you know like like everyone else out there we want to ensure that you know we build something exclusive uh you know of which the data would be completely proprietary and you know so we were very sure from the scratch that we had to build this in house uh um, so initially when we started you know we had done a huge amount of market research actually i even went to howard to you know meet with a few neuroscientists and neuromarketers to understand what is it that you know um that 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 they feel when it comes to content generation when it comes to marketing so what they said is that um you know as we all know that it's a it's a very globally well known fact that all of the consumer decision making all the customer buying patterns everything is driven by emotions and not by logic hence in order for marketers to connect better with their audiences uh, you know the content has to be emotionally engaging you know the the empathy quotient has to be in place in order to resonate with your customers the emotions that your content exudes it should have you know all of the right set of emotions in place so what they said is that there are you know three uh, uh, three tones or opinions as they say which any marketer looks at first is positive negative neutral and then if you dig down a little bit there are five main emotions that we as human beings connect the most with starting with you know fomo or or, or fear of missing out as they say mm-hmm. uh, then you know there is joy there is anger uh, there is sadness and there is surprise so these five emotions so um marketers around the globe are also looking for you know these five emotions and the three tones to you know ensure that their content has um, you know has has the has the right tone 
and the right emotion in place before they go out there and publish it. Right. So what we did is that, you know, we uh, collected about 30 million data points uh, from multiple sources and we got them, you know, tagged to the right set of tones and emotions. And then we built the whole MVP in-house. It actually took us almost 18 months to, you know, build the technology uh, because we did everything from the scratch and we did everything in-house. And um, the, 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 the first version was like an okay, okay version, you know, because it was an MVP. But now what we have, it's, it's so highly evolved. It has anything and everything under the sky. It has a plagiarism checker, which will help you tell if your content is real or, or you know, has it been plagiarized. It has a panel testing piece, which, you know, through which you can get it tested by a panel of people, as the name suggests. And, you know, you can get their opinion on what they feel about your content. So basically an AI enabled engine and also, uh, you know, real time human engine, which will tell you that, okay, this is how good my content is looking like. And on top of this, a very smart recommendation engine, which will suggest words to, you know, either increase or decrease the empathy quotient of your content. So it's like an end-to-end, -end, you know, content, uh, a content platform. Now we also have a content generation piece. You just feed in a few keywords, and the tool would, you know, create the content for you. Uh, so yeah, I think by far in the market we are the most evolved when it comes to, you know, having built something in-house, and um, the tool is above anything and everything that is available out there. All right, that does sound pretty freaking cool. Um, so actually, since you mentioned fear of missing out and uh, you know multiple of those emotions that have to be present in the social media posts and any other content that is uh, thrown out there for the users to consume, let's let's talk about the use of those emotions uh, while you are fundraising. So you know you're the expert in the field, obviously. Which of those emotions do you think works the best when you talk to investors? How do you make sure that investors invest in you as soon as possible and, you know, with as little negotiation as possible using those emotions? Have you actually tried doing that or did you just, you know, go with the standard flow? <laughs> so FOMO always works. Absolutely. FOMO works everywhere in any and every field. You know, we are, we are human beings after all. Um, but then I didn't really have to use it much because, uh, you know, more than words, I think, uh, as they say, actions speak louder than words. So, uh, you know, the tool that we built, it was so beautiful. And, you know, I mean, uh, we, we already had a good amount of traction and you know we had we had already raised some money before that uh when we were building the tool and 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 of course uh you know the the first round as as they call it the pre-seed and then the seed round that is all about you know the team and the story of the team right so you know i think me and my co-founder we had uh, you know two amazing stories to tell uh so it was more of a team gamble initially uh, so I think FOMO really worked. People were like, if you don't invest in them, then who? <laughs> so, you know, that, that really worked for us. Yes. Awesome. And congrats for it having worked. Um, speaking of it working and you raising your Series A, um, you have actually mentioned on our pre-interview call that by far Series A was the toughest round for you to raise. Honestly, based on my standard knowledge of the industry and based on hundreds of other people who have participated here uh, on fundraising radio and shared their fundraising stories the majority of them say that you know the further you go the easier it is to raise your rounds um why do you think in your case series a was harder than let's say pre-seed stage 
because we are a covid company <laughs> you know <Right>. so uh, <laughs> yes uh, you grow you know as you grow raising rounds you know becomes easier because you've been there for a while and you know the process and you know you know the whole drill yes so that that absolutely makes sense but the thing is that you know when uh, you're a covid company and um, you know uh, things are not that great globally and you know there are millions who are dying um, in between all of that you know raising money does become a little painful uh, so i think um, it was it was both a pro and a con for us covid you know because um, a pro as in you know because uh, i think the timing was perfect we were able to identify a huge opportunity in this adversity when most of the brick and mortar stores were shutting down the only option that people had was to be you know able to move online and you know sell better uh, by creating more engaging content and that's exactly what we do so you know getting customers was was very very easy for us uh, but then yeah the funding was a little painful you know because um, things in india weren't all that great when it came to you know the whole covid scenario uh, so it was a pain raising money in india yes uh, that mm-hmm. is when we decided to move to the us to raise money and i'm happy to share that in the first call that we had which was you know with crit investment partners from washington dc uh within a week we had the term sheet <laughs> uh you know so yes in the us it was like one call and that's it uh which which really helped and you know then i think um, after the due diligence and everything was done and then yeah things were fine so in the us i just spoke with one investor and we were able to close it it was painful in india <laughs> yeah Right. And yeah, that happens to a lot of founders. I've honestly seen so many people who had to literally change their entire companies just because they realized that they cannot raise money in their own country. I've seen that so many times and yeah, it's it's quite painful as you've mentioned. Um but yeah, let's 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 talk about that. Uh let's talk about founders who are basically forced to raise money outside of the United States even though they're building a company in a completely different country not for american markets at all um in your case what do you think was the major struggle there to explain to american investors you know what you're doing or was it the cultural barrier or was it just you know the fact that you just didn't understand americans too well or what do you think was the major barrier for you to raise money from american investors So you know um I mean from the US market frankly I didn't have too much of a barrier <laughs> because you know I I have worked in the US lived and worked in the US for almost 5 years so I really understand how the market is uh you know but but initially we were thinking that we'll raise uh some money in India and then move to the US uh but then I think um, all's well that ends well we were not able to raise much money in India and so we had to move to the US uh but then eventually we knew that you know US is the main market for us so in the US the good thing that happened is that you know um all the things that they needed they were all tick marks for for us you know all the boxes were checked uh we we had a great team we had a great product we had traction and uh you know as in early traction of course and you know we had a clear roadmap in place about how we wanted to expand in the us uh so i think the stars were aligned 
and um, you know it was it was sweet it was easy in the us uh, there were not too many barriers except the fact that you know i mean um, because because it was foreign direct investment for us uh, you know at that at that point in time we were not a us entity so other than the legal trouble uh, you know other than that we didn't really have too many challenges as such yeah Right. And actually, you've mentioned something that I would like to uh, go back to, which is the fact that you did raise some money in India. Um, how did you deal with the money that you've already raised in India and then you had to open another entity in the US? Did you just transfer money and issue some shares from the new company to the investors or how do you transfer that you know, legal wise? Yeah. Yes, exactly. That is what. So, you know, I mean, um, one one thing that I've learned in this entire process is that you need to have a great lawyer and a great chartered accountant in order for your company to grow, you know, <laughs> um, no matter what, uh, what business acumen you carry, but unless and until you don't have a good legal attorney and, you know, a good financial consultant in place, your company will not grow globally. So thankfully in our case, uh, you know, we were able to find two amazing people uh, you know, one from the finance side and one from the legal side who were able to help us. And uh, yes, like you rightly, uh, you know, uh, um, like you rightfully said, we were able to open the US entity and then transfer shares. And, you know, yes, all of that process happened. Um, I wouldn't say that it was very smooth because we had to figure a few things out. So we had to transfer money and, you know, then all of those things followed wherein, you know, uh, because out of India, the, the the challenge is that, you know, the whole taxation system and the laws, they are a little more tedious, you know. So we had to do a number of filings. We had to get a number of papers in place. Uh, but thankfully, everything was, was, you know, done in time and we were able to incorporate in the U.S., yeah. Gotcha. And congratulations. I know that this process is kind of complicated, especially if you've never done this before or you don't have the theoretical background into that, but you've handled it. So congratulations. Um, good stuff. So now let's talk a little bit more about the tech side of it, and then we're going to uh, wrap it up briefly. Uh, so one thing that stood out to me while we were talking about the technical stuff on the print recall is the fact that you had an exclusive, or you have actually currently, an exclusive partnership with Oxford University. So how did you make that happen? How does this partnership look like? So basically, um, you know, Oxford University, as we know, they are pretty much the owners of the Oxford Dictionary, right? Those guys are the, you know, big daddies of the English language. And, you know, because we are, we, we have a product <laughs> which is built in. So, you know, it, it, it definitely made sense to partner with, with the Oxford University Press. Uh, so we did that and, you know, we've got um, a, a paid partnership, of course, and we were able to get some amazing data dictionary from them. And, you know, they, they really helped us, uh, you know, align the data points that we were looking at. And uh, this was actually great. Um, you know, because it, it because because they already had it in place, they didn't really have to work very hard, you know, on this. So and and uh, you know, we 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 already had like a huge amount of database, but then on top of that, when you you know superimpose that with something amazing as as the Oxford guys gave us, it just you know enabled our recommendation engine to you know get get these amazing recommendations. You know, our data was super refined, and we were able to get. Uh, you know, the kind of results that we were looking at. So all of the quality checks 
that any tech company would be looking at in order to upgrade their data and you know get the whole process much more efficient, more productive, all of that was enabled. So I think yeah, yes, it was a big win-win for us. Right, and I mean, honestly, partnering with Oxford is pretty fun. Did that help you fundraise uh, at all? Just having you know this uh, big daddy of English language on your team, basically. <laughs> so, um. I think the help that that happened is that you know the product was greatly improved, right? So when yeah. the product is great, more customers are you know are are interested in your tool. So indirectly, yes, you know indirectly, uh, it, it it did help us. Yes. Interesting. I would imagine you're gonna flex that much harder, but <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so let's let's talk about last thing before we wrap it up, which is the fact that you chose to build everything in house. Uh, you know, sounds like something Facebook would do, where they just refuse to take any technology from anyone else, and they just build every single thing that they use in house. Why did you ch- choose to go, you know, the Facebook routes? I think. Um... Mark Zuckerberg and I think alike, <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, the reason was was actually very simple. Uh, you know, we didn't want to have the same set of results that all the other people, you know, mm. who've just built tools from you know APIs. We wanted a very exclusive, a very refined product, which would be state of the art, built in house, and you know, it would give the best responses when it comes to content. As we know, AI is no magic, right? It is basically all about the data that you feed in and then you know you train your system using that data. And that is how you get those amazing, incredible responses, right? So basically it is all about um, you know, the, the, the food, which is, is the, you know, the, the, the basic fuel for that AI engine to run. So that food for us was, was amazing data. So we were like very sure that we have to build 30 million data points at least in-house in order to get that amazing, uh, you know, responses when it comes to the tool. And yes, it did take us a lot of time, almost 18 to 20 months to get that in place. But I think all those efforts were worth it because, you know, our data set is completely proprietary, right? That is our, uh, uh, you know, that, that is, that is our, our IP, right? So it was, it was an amazing thing. Uh, and we were very sure that we wanted to stand apart so our biggest barrier to entry, you know, for, for anyone to copy us, the biggest barrier to entry for them would be the data set because mm-hmm. our data set is completely proprietary. Right. So, yes, that's right. We're not going to go into any further details of uh, <laughs> uh, explaining how the data set was collected, even though I'm a little bit curious. Actually, never mind. Fine, fine. Let's, let me ask that question. How did you acquire that data set? Where did you get it from? Did you scrape half of the internet? Did you just... Uh, purchase that data oh, yeah. set somewhere exactly. or We've, we have scraped the internet of course Ooh. from you know multiple platforms from from wordpress from hubspot from twitter facebook linkedin instagram <laughs> anything and everything yes both manual both uh, you know manual and machine based data scraping everything we've done yes yikes and when you're scraping the internet how do you know that you're feeding the machine some uh, like a good piece of content because we have hired linguists in-house who you know help us do this these are guys who have like the masters in literature they are you know gods and goddesses (laughs) of content 
<laughs> so we were always very sure to have a stellar team in place who would you know mm-hmm. help us build this so when we say that we are a tech heavy company yes uh, 70% of the team are techies but then you know almost 15% of the team is you know linguists and uh, you know these are guys who really understand content in you know english language really well so with their help and wonderful support we were able to build what we have built right and it does look very good honestly i'll definitely get a free trial see how much use it is and based on this conversation i'm pretty confident i'm going to get an annual plan because first of all it's pretty cheap <laughs> secondly i feel like yes. sometimes i'm just repeating myself there a little bit so <laughs> we now have a joke uh, that when yeah. we're developing the course yeah. Huh? Just just log into app.instory.com yeah. and you can start using it. Very, very easy to use. And I've already nearly created it. my account while we're having this interview. <laughs> so yeah, it is that easy. And on this note, let's move on to the very last question of today's episode, which is the call to action. So Carmen, what do you want the listener to do as soon as this episode is over? Oh, well, of course, the founder and me would say that log into app.instory.com and start using the tool ASAP. <laughs> and you know um, suggest more people but I think on top of that what we would also you know love is that we are now coming up with some incredible other things so far we were only a web app but now we are coming up with a chrome extension wordpress plugin and you know we and and most importantly we're gonna have this beautiful beautiful content generation system you know so we need a lot of people to try that out give us the kind of feedback you know honest feedback constructive feedback what they think about it so you know i mean in order for you to get that catchy caption for your instagram post or for your facebook post just feed in a few keywords and the tool will come up with that caption the whole idea behind doing this is to you know help you create better content which is much more productive very easy to use and you know which would exude the right set of emotions we are the world's only platform which will have both a content generation and a content evaluation system on just one platform and that mm-hmm. too at a very very cheap price <laughs> you yep. know so yes we, we want more people to use this give us their constructive feedback and help us spread the word yes damn the facts i'll make sure to leave the link to in storage in the description of this episode for people who really are really bad with spelling things out it is going to be down there so if you think that's Sometimes you need to replace some words with better words because you just keep repeating yourself or you just put out dry text, which happens to the best of us, honestly. It takes practice to not do that. Um, Check it out. It does seem like a super helpful tool probably later on in other episodes. I'm going to, once I try it, I'm actually going to give some actual feedback or I'm just going to include it down there in the description of this episode. So that's going to be my call to action as always. Super simple. Go check out the description of this episode. I'm going to include in stories, uh, Charmin's LinkedIn. And of course, there's going to be shameless plugin of our course, <laughs> because why not? And as always, go have a good day.